Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. Uh, this is episode number nine, I believe, and uh, I'm your one of your uh, host, Val, uh, and uh, co-host Jason. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Um, yeah, you know, we're going to talk about the E3 Uno set, so uh, I'm super pumped. It's a set that's near and dear to my heart. So, and I was at the Coke 600. That was really amazing. Got to see another Joe Gibbs racing uh, racer uh, car win. I was very fortunate and blessed to be able to go down the, the victory lane right outside there and uh, get some pictures from all the festivities and actually traveled or walked with the car and do post-inspection process. So I took some photos of that. That was really cool to see NASCAR officials plugging into the car and, and I'm assuming downloading data and the inspectors going under the hood and checking things out and then it going through uh, uh, through the template laser grid. So that was really cool. So so it's been a great couple of days for me. How uh, How's everything with you? Did you get to catch any race? Uh, actually, this time I, I did not. I have to admit uh, we had a bunch of stuff going on over the weekend. So uh, once we did the recording on Sunday at home, I had a bunch of family stuff going on. So... Uh, I mean, at least we got that episode recorded, but I was MIA on watching the festivities this weekend. Oh, I definitely understand that. It was, uh, I'm sure, a very busy weekend for a lot of folks. So we can uh, jump in there. We'll talk about um, talk about Martin Truex real quick and some of his cards. Um, that's his third win of the season, and Joe Gibbs Racing now has eight of the 13 wins. So they are definitely um, got it going on over there. And then, you know, we talked about his rookies before in 2004 with the um, Press Pass, Stealth, Optima, Trackside. Um, they're still, I think, you know, bargains. Uh, I think the check on my cards, they range from a couple dollars to uh, maybe under five. And he even has some insert cards, I think, that are they're kind of low that um, people might want to take a second look at. The way he's come on here, he's won... He hasn't won any back-to-back, but since week nine, he will, he won in week nine, 11, and then week 13. So his last few weeks, he's been definitely pouring on. So if everybody remembers, he was with another team last year. So this is his first year with Joe Gibbs Racing, and he just uh, – that other team was kind of a satellite of their of that team, but I think he's clicking on all cylinders. So. I mean, yeah, that's nice if you can go every other week. Uh, that's a nice little run, but for the cards – I definitely wanted to talk about a couple of things. Um, I, I know I brought this up before, but it's been a few episodes. So I have a couple of comments and at least one question to run by you. Um, you know, we always talk about the pricing of the cards and being so low. One of the cards that I did purchase, and I always say that I buy them as we're recording just because we're talking about stuff. One of the ones I did purchase was a Truex Jr. Uh, 2004 Press Pass Trackside. It's the base card number 39, uh, the, the vertical card, not the horizontal that looks like a driver's license. Um, I actually bought it for a $1.10 a few weeks ago. I mean, earlier in the season, uh, if we're on episode, you know, number nine, it was at least, you know, two months ago. I probably bought that card for a $1.10. Now the lowest one's a $1.90. And I realize, you know, we're still talking a couple bucks, but it's pretty nice to see a card that almost doubles in price um, shortly after you purchase one. You know, so it's nice to see that stuff change with the wins and 
with his recent stretch of the you know past five or six races. Uh, I think the the wins definitely help, and we I've talked about it before. I don't think that press pass has the has the print run of like the other sports, and you know the supply and demand type stuff. If it's done on check my cards, I mean you'll have a couple other options on uh, sports lots and. Beckett Marketplace, and right. uh, I have not checked those places, but, um, you know, check at my cards has an advantage of that. You don't necessarily have to take and pay for shipping right away. You can kind of bank right. it. Sports Lots is doing that now, but I don't think a lot of folks sell on Sports Lots. Um, that was definitely my source for a lot of cards uh, in the last 10 or 15 years. So, But more cards are leaving, I think, for racing than are being replenished, if that makes any sense, right? People aren't opening boxes. Yeah, There's not like people are sitting on cases and cases of 2004 press pass waiting to be open. I think, you know, it's all pretty much out there. And I did see where um, you're kind of affiliated with uh, Steel City that they did have some older wax boxes, So, but they didn't get tons of it. You know, was, none of them are available by case. So when it comes to racing, you know, if you can find a box, that's a, that's a big deal. And if you can find a case, oh, my goodness, that's like, you know, finding a diamond in the row. Yeah, they actually, uh, Sean just purchased some stuff not too long ago. It was like, early, it looks like early 2000s, uh, press pass, uh, a few boxes of multiple products, multiple years. So, uh, I'm assuming that once the people find it, it won't last long, uh, just because that stuff's so hard to find, even in the other sports, but especially in the racing. But going back to the Truex, one more. So my question on that is, you know, from, from my perspective, I, you know, my background, I'm a huge Bryce Harper collector, um, huge Nationals fan, and it kills me to purchase any cards in a Phillies uniform of Bryce Harper. Uh, it just, it's, I would much rather pull the trigger on a Nationals card than a Phillies card, but I'm still going to purchase them. You know, and looking at Truex's cards from 04, the one that I bought, the track side, that's a dollar ninety on check on my cards, he has the Bass Pro Shops driver's suit on. And then for the Optima, which is $5.25, he has the Oreo. Do people ever really pay attention to that, or is it all just brand and driver? I don't think um, – I think it's more driver than brand because you have some iconic sponsors that stay with a driver for a long time, but even then they might leave. And then – with with some of these cards of Truex, it could be, and they probably are, of when he's in the lower level. He's not at gotcha. the top level. So uh, sometimes sponsors will, will latch on and they'll continue to, to run. And then sponsors sometimes will stick with the driver. Sometimes they'll stick with the the team, the, the, the car owner, right? And I'm thinking of, like, Pro Bass. I think he still actually has some deals with them. But then I'm thinking of Jimmy Johnson where he was – with Lowe's for so long, and now it's right. Ally. So I think it's not as critical in racing. I could be wrong, and um, I'd love people's feedback on it. But I can see where maybe with a, Jimmy Johnson, because it was for so long. That's really cool, though, with Jimmy, is that his first card in 2000, he's with the Hotel. <laughs> and not, yeah, that's he true. Didn't I get, forgot about that. Yeah, and he didn't get Lowe's, didn't really count, because that was in the lower level, and then he didn't go uh, to Cup until... I think it was 2001 or 2002. You can start seeing his cards with with Lowe's. So, yeah, I just want to say I'm sure as a collector, 
you know, a driver collector or a player collector, you're going to buy it no matter what, but you're probably going to be a little bit more disgruntled or happy, you know, depending on what you're buying, uh, you know, but, you know, in, in my situation that I explained, I'm still going to buy the cards. I'm just not going to be as happy. That makes sense. Yeah. Some of them I, I buy and I'm going to get autographed. Others I buy maybe to, to hold on to because I think it's a long term. Uh, I mean, you know, with, with us doing this podcast, how can you go wrong with with two dollars for a guy who's won a championship, won multiple championships in the lower level, and then he's going to be a future Hall of Famer, and he's just crushing it right now with three wins. So for two bucks, it's a good deal, I think. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And then I saw that where you're saying that there's a variation. I need to go back and double check on that one. I had totally missed that, but I did like some of. Uh, the inserts, I thought that was, they're kind of low considering they're probably not as plentiful as the base cards. And then I think it's the Optima, I think the one with the Oreo, I think that's a nice card to get autographed because of the white, I think in the white driver's suit. So it might show a black sharp is good. So I'll have to work yeah, on it. It definitely would, definitely would show up better on the Optima card. We can uh, move into the next uh, subject. We talked. And so we were going to talk about the 1983 Uno set. Uh, this is another one of those sets a lot of people don't know about. And it was one of those sets that wasn't even really revealed until 1991, if you believe it. Um, there was an article that appeared in the October of 1991 Collector's World. So before Beckett, you had um, Racing Collectibles Price Guide that started, I believe, in December of 89. And then um, Collector's World started up a little after that. And uh, there's a very interesting story where the magazine was approached by a gentleman who had these set of Uno cards. The back looks like your typical Uno playing card. I don't know if you played Uno as a kid. I know I did. A little bit. And then the front is a photo, full bleed, and it's numbered and to 30. So you had the 1970 Fleer drag strips, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, was just images of a driver in a car. And then the 1970 S72 STP, when those were just giveaways, probably very limited quantities. And so you have, until 1983, now you have this little 30-card set. And it wasn't really a mass giveaway. It wasn't like giving away at one track or like if you had a baseball game where they gave away some kind of special set. They talk about in the article is that they went and tried to approach Uno and find information about it. And, of course, Uno didn't even know anything about it. The article mentions that. So let me stop you right way, here real quick. Good. To me, it is amazing. In the job that I have now and even in some of the previous jobs that weren't card-related, I always tried to keep track of stuff, um, the dates for things, and and then even in more hobby-related things, you know, when promos run or, you know, like the tops and the uts chips, you know, when did that start? How long did it run? What's the checklist? It amazes me that these companies don't keep track or keep better track of a lot of the promotions or keep, you know, not like one of everything, but keep their own for, you know, maybe they want to use it later. Maybe they want to make... Um, a history book, or maybe they want to, you know, all this, it always amazes me that some of the companies that are just like, yeah, we have no record of this, or we have no idea what you're talking about, and that in the article, 
uh, what you know, can, had said just shocked me. So I can understand, you know, that what you're saying, but then you have to look at, you know, the 19, early 1980s, right? This is before, really before computers, personal computers anyway. And then when you get into racing, um, I can definitely see where you have the company Uno and they're producing the playing cards and the games and all that manufacturing, but they weren't involved in producing this set. This was probably some kind of side deal where, you know, they they have some kind of money set aside for advertising and racing, and somebody probably said to somebody, hey, you know, it would be good to have maybe some cards at maybe at one of these tracks or at a couple of these events. I've been to, you know, a couple of races with some sponsored events, and, you know, they have a little hospitality tent, maybe they have some giveaways and stuff like that. But I don't think, you know, the higher-up corporates would have any record of that. That's what makes these so intriguing, the fact that nobody knows anything about them. Um, we have this article that was in this magazine, but otherwise not. These magazines are out of print now. Um, I do have some of the early issues scanned in and on my site at Racing Card Info. And then there's um, like an archives, and so you can read these articles and see the prices and and the advertisements and stuff. So, you know, all the stuff is just forgotten, and that's one other reason why I want to do the do the podcast is just to get this information out. So I just think it's really cool that this was some kind of side deal, and you know, kind of like the 72 SCP, Grant and Telly getting together with Ray Man, and it makes and they make it happen. Um, right. I think it's done and there's no recollection. So this is kind of like the same thing. And it's going back to, um, I don't know, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of like the 32 Carmels or maybe Allen and Ginter or whatever. You know, they decided, hey, let's put baseball cards in tobacco packs. And, you right. know, people didn't know about the different packs, how that all happened. It just, you know, just happened and nobody had the vision to, to document it and this kind of stuff. But it kind of adds the intrigue about it and um, the lore of it. So the, the article mentions they tried to contact the home office and they didn't even know anything about it. And that because the stuff, I guess, wasn't on computers or whatever, they had no information about it. They would have to dig through and look at all the expenses and receipts and bills and stuff, and they weren't going to do that for, for this. So basically, the article goes on to talk about the pictures on the front of the cards and it looks like the last photos or the most recent photos were of Lake Speed and um, which was around February of 83. So it was probably produced right after the Daytona 500 in 83. So, so the, the cards were not, they were not produced for sale to the public, nor they were right. intended as inserts into the game or anything like that. And um, the regular Uno card games were printed and packaged in Belgium and that it was too costly to print materials there, promo materials there. Now, I do know from my research and, and uh, my pursuit of these that these were, because I, I got my hands on an uncut sheet. Where's my article here? That were produced someplace, I think, in Illinois. Uh, they were printed by T&E Lithoplate Incorporated of Detroit, Michigan. I was wrong. So that company is still in business. It would be interesting. Well, first let me ask the question and maybe the follow-up. So the date or the time frame has kind of been figured out. Has the print run ever been narrowed down? So the the like article mentions the article mentions that the gentleman who showed him the full set has a few hundred sets that that he packed right. away. 
along with numerous other items accumulated over the years, and that he actually offers them for sale uh, in the magazine. The name of the car, the name of the company is called Gold Cards, and they were selling them for two hundred dollars a set. And this is nineteen ninety one money. And then later, I did a business search, and that Gold Cards is really David Chobat, and David Chobat was an award-winning NASCAR photographer, and he passed away in August of 2004. And in the summer of 2006, his estate actually started selling some of these sets on cut sheets. And then they had his images on the site, and they were saying he had over 3.5 million photographs and that you could kind of like get the images. You could kind of, I guess, buy them and um, or get the rights to them or whatever it was. So there's not thousands or hundreds of thousands. These are probably hundreds, and we're talking, you know, in between 83 to whatever and how much actually survived. Now, there were some sets that started to re-hit the market in 2006 that I'm very familiar with because in the summer of 2006, I saw those uncut sheets start to come up on eBay. I wasn't able to... um, get any of them, but I did take some screenshots of them, and there's probably about 15 of them. And then all of a sudden, they weren't selling them, and I think I had contacted them, asking them if they were going to list anymore, and I never heard anything back. And then so many months passed, and then there was a new seller of these cards, and they were individual cards. Um, I didn't know if they had cut them up or what, but turns out that they had, uh, I guess, purchased the remaining cards and uncut sheets and then he started to sell them for a little bit of time. That's where I, I kind of started picking up my 83 Uno cards. And then once I got the complete set, I was kind of done, and then I really didn't pay much attention to it. But uh, I was contacted by the gentleman, and I did end up picking up uh, some more sets over the time. But the 83 Uno, like I said, is it's a 30-card set. It's, um, you know, there's a majority of the cards in it represent uno drivers tim richmond was one of them he has the most with 13 of 30 being tim richmond uh buddy baker was also an uno driver he has six cards kyle petty's in this he has three cards and i guess the reason tim richmond has so many is that he i had read uh his book or book that was about tim richmond and that bob tazak i think this is his name he purchased the uno card game and he knew Tim and he helps or he sponsored Tim Richmond uh, in the 1980 Indy 500. Uh, that's where Tim Richmond, uh, he came in ninth and uh, he was named the 1980 uh, Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year. Not to get off too much of a tangent, but then Tim Richmond had some accidents and his mother threatened his father to get him out of the open wheel and that's why Tim Richmond went into the stock car racing. And uh, so Uno continued to sponsor him in his NASCAR career. So in this 83 set, like I said, he's got uh, 13 of those 30 cards. And what's really interesting about this set is that it's the first cards of Darrell Waltrip is in it and Dale Earnhardt Sr., which I think is probably the key. Uh, Richard Petty is also in it and Bobby Allison. So it's a really great little set. Like I said, the, the, I think it's really undervalued. Uh, of course, it doesn't come up that much on eBay. It, you know, you're talking, I don't know what you, uh, who would he be equivalent to in, in baseball, Dale Hart Sr. and uh, Darrell Walter. It's like a Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, or 
Yeah, possibly. I mean, definitely for Earnhardt. So I have a few questions, um, and I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know if I did that. If I did it justice or not, but I guess it uh, helped me fill in the the holes I I made. So the print run, we don't really know. Which, granted, we're talking in the '80s, so that was before the boom in the '90s. So I would imagine the print run is, you know, like you said, on the low end. I'd be curious, you know, with this lithoplate company still in business, if anybody's ever reached out to them to see if they had any records of how much they printed. Um, you know, granted, we're talking almost 40 years later, uh, but I'd be curious to see if anybody's ever attempted to reach out just to see if, you know, if they still have a receipt copy or an invoice or, you know, whatever to see what was printed or to get the amount. Yeah, I, I thought about it, and I was like, well, yeah, having that phone conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I got on Yeah, that's definitely and, an you know, email. From 1983, and uh, do you know how many guys printed? <laughs> They'd be like, what? You know what? The worst we're going to tell you is no. Maybe you get the right person, and they say, oh, yeah, I just happened to stumble across that invoice the other day. You know, but uh, it'd be interesting. You know, it's something... You know, it's happened. You know, I have uh, not Beckett's, but like those other sports price guide magazines uh, from the early 90s. And there was a company that was still active that had an ad in there for uh, a VHS of how to collect baseball cards. And there was a baseball player that was featured athlete in it from the 70s or 80s. I cannot remember who it was, Uh, but that's beside the point actually reached out to the company and said, hey, do you guys still sell these uh, by any chance? And they said, well, we don't, but we can make you a DVD copy if you want. You know, when we're talking, that was a 20-year-ago, 20-year-old magazine. So, you know, it's still possible that these things can be found out. Uh, Like I said, maybe maybe you or I will have to reach out to this company and see uh, if they have any information. Yeah, it would be cool to kind of follow up on it. That's part of the, the fun for me, uh, with with some of this stuff, and uh, like I said, some of it is from the magazine, and the other is some of my things that I've learned over the years, and kind of piecing puzzles together with with reading Tim Richmond's book, and and having um, purchased a decent number of sets. And so even then, back in 2006, I think the the guy that I had gotten some stuff said he had estimated he got about 40 or 50 sets. And then you know that's been over. 13 years ago, I guess it is now, and it's all kind of been absorbed into the hobby. I know the Dale Earnhardt Sr. is on almost everybody's wish list, uh, at least an Earnhardt Sr. collector. I always see that when people are saying they're on their want list, and then with uh, Darrell um, Walter getting to the Hall of Fame. Right. So another question. You said you took screenshots of the uncut sheets. Do you remember how many cards were on a sheet? I mean, considering it's a 30-card set, um, and I know, I think I've seen other companies do, like, 100-card sheets, so, like, a 10 by 10. So 100 cards, you know, that would could be three and a third sets. So I'm kind of curious if you remember any specifics about the uncut sheets and maybe, so you know, are there sheets with three Dale Seniors and sheets with one, you know, or were they all kind of the same? So I have... Uh, two uncut sheets. One sheet has been trimmed around the sides, so you can't see the the print information and the the you know, print alignment. So I have one yeah. with all that and one without it. <clears throat> there are 30 cards on the sheet, so it's the whole set, one to 30 actually. Okay. 
and the print lines or the cut lines, I guess. So that's one thing is, so the cards are not your normal size. They're two and three sixteenth by seven by, sorry, two and three sixteenth by three and seven sixteenth. That those are the individual card dimensions. And I got that off of the cut lines from the uncut sheet. So I think I had told you before we got on that I have some of these graded and some of the ones, the early ones that were sold or that I got were larger. And PSA, PSA uh, graded them. They didn't know what what the right size was. Um, so in, in all my years of collecting and stuff like that, I contacted PSA and actually uh, sent them a copy, a printed copy of an uncut sheet because I wanted to, because um, I liked the sheet and use it as a, kind of a poster. And if you go out to my racing card info, like my banner is an image of that uncut sheet. So one set per sheet. Um, just curiosity, were they in order? Y- yes. Okay. They so are if you did have one, it would, you know, be a nice little display. Yes, and I think uh, the one sheet that I got that that's trimmed, or I would say that the print information around it is gone, and it was uh, probably in a frame. So in uh, this, the card set. There are images of maybe the driver with the car or in the car. Like the Lake Speed just kind of shows the two cars. Um, the Neil Bonnet shows him in, in Victory Circle. Um, like I said, there's a bunch with Tim Richmond next to the car. There's some different shots of the Uno cars um, until you get up. Um, there's like I said with Buddy Baker and uh, Kyle Petty in the 42 and the number one car. Oh, there's Lake, and then so there's Lake Speed two next kneeling next to um, the car, but you can see where the Uno is on the rear quarter panel of the car. And then when you start getting up into the higher numbers, around 19, there's some more portraits as uh, Kyle Petty and Buddy Baker, Tim Richmond, and then Richard Petty, uh, number 23. Richard Petty wins, or Richard Petty with two lovely admirers. There's some more portraits of Tim Richmond. <clears throat> the Dale Earnhardt is the Dale Earnhardt, number 27. Dale Earnhardt wins Daytona qualifier, and he's in, looks like, Victory Circle before for that qualifier race. And then Darrell Walter uh, wins the Daytona qualifier, that's number 28. And then Bobby Allison's number 29. He wins the Daytona qualifier. So it's pretty interesting. So on um, some of these cards, there's the same. Uh, there's one younger kid. He's in a bunch of the photos. He must have been part of Uno or something, or somebody's kid, because he's in that photo with Darrell Waltrip, and then the photo with Bobby Allison. Okay, so I have two more two more things, and then we can wrap it up. Just a statement. For whatever reason, this set reminds me of Pro Set. You know, I know it's the Uno, and of course they have the card backs, but the front of these definitely remind me of the Pro Set cards of the 90s, um, which I always liked those designs for the most part. Uh, but yeah, it definitely reminds me of that. And... In the article, it says that they were selling for two hundred dollars. Whenever when was that that they had them for sale in the ninety? Uh, ninety one. Yeah, ninety one. So, what do you think a complete set would sell for now? I've seen a couple sell. I don't say a couple, maybe one or two sell in the last year. I guess it was about maybe three hundred to four hundred. I don't know if they were trying to get three ninety nine. These were ungraded, I think. So um, I know there are. Go ahead. Because I was just going to say I know no, there. Earnhardt graded sells for one fifty two hundred. Um, so 
But yeah, the, if you if the set's four hundred, I mean that's a pretty pretty substantial price for you know a racing set. When we talk about card prices all the time being so low, uh, four hundred dollars for a set of thirty cards, you know, a ten or twelve dollar average per card, that's a pretty pretty nice set to have. Yeah, I think you know the keys definitely are the Richard Petty because that's the second Richard Petty card, the Dale Earnhardt Senior rookie, Daryl Walter rookie, and then the second so Bobby Allison. The, the Tim Richmonds are really cool. He kind of uh, he had burst on the scene, or after you ever seen Days of Thunder, it's kind of around him. Um, not to get too much off on the tangent, but he basically. Uh, when he finally hooked up with um, Harry Hyde at, at Hendrick, there was just this chemistry between them, and, and as you saw, like in Days of Thunder, and then he got very sick with AIDS and passed away in 1989. But he was pretty much done. 80, I think it was 87. He had a couple, and then that was it. But he was just getting uh, his 86 season was just incredible, and then uh, it was over. So. So the Tim Richmonds are, you know, early, his first cards, and pretty much uh, he has stuff in the 86 sports star photographics, but that's it. And then how um, next we can talk about? So we, I, I mentioned the eight, 1980 Indy 500 that Tim Rich was in. I know we were talking about the Uno set, but there's an Avalon Hill set. There was an Avalon Hill game that was the Indy 500, and uh, you had the game that was the Indy, and they included cards. I don't remember the size. Maybe they were like two and a half by two and a half. But the 1980 edition has the has a Tim Richmond in it. And uh, okay, so there are sets. Yeah, that's really cool set. We can talk about that some more one day. But I think they started in '79, and I think they ended sometime in the early '80s. But uh, you have AJ Foyt and all those other ones, uh, great indie drivers. Maybe when we talk to Ken, we can uh, talk about the Avalon Hill. I wonder if he knows about those. Yeah, that was one of those other ones that I found by looking at the Beckett Price Guide and realizing that Tim Richmond was in there and, and searching for. So, but the '83 Uno set I think is a is a great set. It's a tough set to find. It doesn't have the print run that um, all the other uh, you know from '88 on the major mass produced stuff. So part of it is just trying to find it, let alone the price. So, well, hope that was informative. Hope uh, everybody learned something. We can continue on next week and talk about the 1985 sports star photographic stickers that was kind of an interesting uh, as we'll find in these next couple of sets information is really hard to find and we have to kind of guess at where they came from and why they were produced so it's, it's good fun stuff all right sounds good all right jason thank you and thanks everybody for listening um tell your friends about the podcast uh, share it and happy collecting and leave feedback if you would positive uh, negative and hope everybody has a, a great day and we'll talk to you next week all right sounds good thanks guys